Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, we're going to somewhat quickly cover one of the great men of the Old Testament, Abraham. His life covers chapters 12 through 25 of Genesis. But before we do that, a quick summary of where we've been. Genesis 1 and 2, God creates. God creates everything, including Adam and Eve. Chapter 3 of Genesis is the fall into sin, followed by Cain's grievous sin against Abel in Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 5 is then a genealogy list of the generations of people through all of those generations. Something was going on. You see, people were becoming more wicked and more wicked until finally Genesis 6, verses 5 and 6 says, The Lord saw what the wickedness of man and saw that it was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. One of the most stunning commentaries for me on the fall into sin, that God was sorry that he had made man. Then God sends the great flood, but uses Noah and his ark to save him and his family. It's a reboot, as it were, of creation. Following the flood, Noah and his family and his descendants grew in numbers. But again, Noah wasn't perfect, nor were his sons. They were also sinful and did sinful things. We get to chapter 11 in Genesis, and we read of the Tower of Babel, where they were working to build this great tower, while as one of my favorite children's books says, they were forgetting that God was great. God confuses their language so that they no longer are able to work together toward evil, giving them many languages, confusing them, inhibiting their ability to work together. They're also dispersed over the face of the earth. There are more generations of people, and at the end of chapter 11, we hear about Terah and his son, Abraham. Terah, Abraham, and their families have moved to Haran. And there God calls to Abraham and makes some great promises to Abraham. Kind of, honestly, out of the blue. We have no history about Abraham or explanation, but God makes promises to him. He first tells him to move again to the land that I will show you. God promises that this land would be his. Thus, it's called the promised land. Usually, it's this point where somebody goes, oh, that's why it's called the promised land. Yes, this is the land that God promised uh, to give to Abraham and to his descendants. Can you imagine telling your wife, um, we're moving? All right, I did that. 
We just don't know where. God will tell you when we get there. I thought it was tough just moving from New York to Florida. We're moving and we don't know where. We'll know when we get there. But God had promised this land to Abraham. Now, God also promises to Abraham that he would make him a great nation, meaning that he would have many descendants. Stunning, because at this point, Abraham and Sarah have no kids. Oh, and by the way, they're 75 years old. Yet he promises. He promises that them later, he expands on that. He says his descendants would be more than the stars in the sky or the grains of sand on the seashore. You know that scientists say that that number is 10 to the 21st. That would be 10 plus 21 zeros. It's a huge number. And yet, even more stunningly, again, remembering they have no kids. But God promises. He promises land. He promises descendants. And if these promises aren't bold enough, God also tells Abraham that in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God is going to show his love to all those septillion people through Abraham. Wow. What a moment. Can you imagine? In fact, it got me thinking, could I imagine? Would I believe God? Would I believe God if he gave me such amazing promises? And I have to be honest, if I look at the circumstances around his life, if I were to make those my own, I can't say confidently that I would, not considering all the circumstances. And guess what? Abraham doesn't always believe either. Abraham was far from a perfect person. As the story goes on, immediately, in a second time, he actually lied as he's in a foreign land, saying that his wife and his sister, uh, that his wife was his sister, in order to protect himself in the face of foreign kings. He's worried that he has a beautiful wife, and if he shows up there, they'll kill him to take her. So he lies and says, she's his sister. Nice move, husband. Later, he has a child with his wife's slave. He doesn't trust God perfectly. He's not a perfect person. In fact, as one pastor friend of mine said of Abraham, he was a bit of a shyster at times. But it's also true that God used imperfect Abraham. He chose him not because he was perfect, not even close. But God chose Abraham and used him. He did have a son, Isaac. 
In Sunday school, we're going to talk about when God challenged Abraham's faith again, asking him to sacrifice his only son. Abraham was faithful was, and was willing to do that. God stopped him before that moment, and in so doing, God affirms Abraham's faith. He says, now I know that you fear God. God provided a lamb for the sacrifice. And that becomes a key point. God provided. Not just in, in this instance, but going forward, all of God's promises to Abraham were fulfilled. Look at that list. God promised him land. That's the promised land, the, the holy land. That's Israel. He does receive that land. Those numerous descendants. The rest of Genesis traces the story through four generations. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. Jacob's 12 sons, whom Pastor Sims will cover next week. The 12 tribes of Israel. And there are many more generations following that. He promised he would make him a blessing. The most amazing blessing of all, God used Abraham to bless his people everywhere. Remember Jacob, he had 12 sons. His son Judah, who Jacob on his deathbed say he would bless, and that from him a king would come. Well, Judah had a son, Perez, who had a son, and so on and so on, until Obed has a son, Jesse, who has a son, David, King David, and so on and so on. You can find the list in Matthew chapter 1. Generations follow until another Jacob had a son, Joseph, who had a son, Jesus. What does Jesus do? lives that perfect life we don't, dies on the cross for my sins, rises victorious on the third day, and in that, there is that promise finally completely fulfilled. Everyone is blessed. Because God in Jesus has saved the world from our sins. Remember I asked you earlier, would you believe God? Would you believe God if God gave you such amazing promises as land and descendants and blessings? Well, guess what? He has. God has given you those same promises. I'm a child of God. And Genesis 3.29 says, And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. I have faith in Jesus, who has secured the promises of God through his death and resurrection. Therefore, I have these same promises that God gave Abraham, and they are true. Have you been given a promised land? Yeah, it's heaven. God has promised to take you to heaven, that perfect land. Descendants, 
We're part of the family of God. We're part of that innumerable numbering of God's people of all time and in all places. We're surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses. And blessed? Oh, you are blessed. You have the gift of eternal life, peace, hope, love, forgiveness, and so on. And you are a blessing to others as you share those gifts with those around you. We are part of this great story. Basically, the rest of the Old Testament follows how God kept his promise to Abraham. We'll look at Moses and how God used him. The Old Testament continues as it follows with Abraham. Both good and bad as they live under those promises of a Savior. The rest of the Old Testament, it's good and bad, kind of side by side, but all living under God's promises to us, fulfilled for me and for you in Jesus. You are a child of God. You are an heir of the promise. May God give you that sure and certain hope of the promises of God fulfilled for you in Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.